This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment, where they pride themselves on equipping their customers with the tools they need to get the job done right. They are dedicated to set the standard for quality, convenience, and reliability. At Tallman, your opinion is important to them. Rate and review any product or tool you've used on their new website at tallmanequipment.com. Line 11 Clothing Company. Making apparel for our first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. A proceed of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at Line11Clothing on Instagram. And last but not least, Monzingo Knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo Knives and get your American-made Monzingo knife today. I also would like to thank Southeast Lyman Training Center. It is a premier school for line worker training. SLTC produces an elite group of highly trained and certified graduates equipped with the knowledge, discipline, and ability to have successful careers in the electrical utility and communications industries. Learn more at lineworker.com. Welcome to Show Up Dad Podcast. This has been created for hardworking fathers. At the Show Up Dad, we recognize that fathers providing for their children is certainly important. But when men truly understand their unique role and gain the knowledge and skills to be great fathers, they can transform and impact future generations. Today, our special guest is Richard Jensen. He is an author who has an amazing comeback story from serious life struggles resulting in prison and homelessness. Richard has two adult daughters as well as two grandkids. Today, Richard is a national wrestling champion, a nationally known inspirational speaker with an Emmy Award-winning story that has aired on ESPN. Richard celebrates over 18 years of sobriety. Welcome to the show, brother. Oh, thanks, David. Man, I couldn't be more excited to be on your show with you and have a nice, honest, healthy conversation about life, about kids, (laughs) the role we play. I love it. Absolutely, brother. Man, your story just really hit me when I started listening to it. And I was just, my God, this is a guy who I truly would love to have on our show just to share his story. And, and I always like the underdog. I always like that. That's a story. Yeah. I, I'm a little guy. I'm five, six, you know. Um, I wrestled, so it resonates with me. I use wrestling a lot too growing up through some of my troubles. And uh, I'm just so happy to, for you to be on here with us. You know what I mean? Yeah, I appreciate that. I think we can all kind of relate to, you know, um, uh, a disadvantage, you know, being the underdog. You know, we all love a great comeback story. Let's be honest. There's Mm -hmm. nothing more inspiring and hopeful than somebody that's taken a hit and gotten up off the ground and got up and changed their life or moved forward and overcame tough challenges. You know, it's always exciting and inspiring to everybody, you know. Life gets, life gets tough, man. Things get hard, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. It has a, an uncanny ability of just knocking you down. And if you allow it to keep you down, it will, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we'll get into that. You know, a lot of things, you know, played a, a, a big part in, 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 in really knocking me down to some pretty serious uh, depths, you know, and uh, having to deal with a lot of a lot of things to overcome to get where we're at, you know, and I think we can all relate to some facet of the story. It's not just about drugs. It's about just, you know, putting yourself in a position and uh, having consequences for some of the choices we make, you know? 
Absolutely, brother. Well, let's start off by you having us tell us about your childhood as you remember it, if you don't mind, Richard. Yeah, no problem. I'm the middle of seven, seven kids. I'm the middle of seven, um, you know, um, wrestler, athlete, wrestler. Um, you know, it was kind of like the Brady Bunch. You know, we had seven kids, not a lot of not a lot of money, but uh, we had a lot of love and a lot of family and uh, a lot of horseplay. <laughs> My, uh, my dad was a working dad, you know, worked at the post office 30 years. He's my stepdad. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, he was my little league coach and, and, and my mom was the scorekeeper and, uh, they got together, got married and joined families. And so we had seven growing up, you know, I was about 10 or 12 when that all happened. So he's the dad that he was the role model in my life you know, um, through my young years and, and, uh, the, he was the stand up show up dad, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and my real father was absent for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, uh, you know, it's, we'll talk about that a little later, but you know, I, I was in a good, healthy environment raised with good family values, good belief system. You know, my mom and dad did not <clears throat> use drugs or drink. Um, they were a positive influence on my life. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, wrestling was the key element that I needed as a kid to help keep me engaged and keep me focused and keep me interested. And mm -hmm. it really helped, helped me through school. You know, I wasn't a great student. You know, I was I was not a great student, didn't have a high GPA, but wrestling really kept me um it, it kept me engaged to to graduate you know like to keep yeah. graduate high school son <laughs> <You> know <laughs> and it's almost like when you're a child like that once you have that focus you know to you know you better have good grades or you can't wrestle you know what i mean it almost gives you a goal it does it kind of keeps you accountable you know yes it's yes the way, it keeps you accountable keeps you um on track it, you need something you need these kids need something that helps keep them um, keep them accountable. You know, I mean mm -hmm. that's that's the key. Whether it's parents, whether it's coaches, whether it's teachers, whether it's role models in their life, they really need somebody to help keep them accountable because there's so much stuff pulling at them. Yeah, so much, so much pulling at them. You know, and uh, for me, this is back in the '70s to '80s, '89. You know there was a lot less pulling at you, you know, today mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff out there that can, um, that kids can lose their focus and uh, from, you know, exactly. And, uh, also I, I think there's a lot of labels now as well. Like, I think, you know, you sound like me, you know, you sound like you're pretty rambunctious and, you know, you got into some stuff if you didn't have a focus, you know, um, nowadays I think kids, everybody wants to label them right away. If they're, overzealous if they are hyperactive next thing you know they want to put them on ritalin or something you know what i mean and we didn't have that back in the day you know what i mean right yeah that's a that's a whole nother subject there's a pill for everything david there's a right, pill for right. everything um and uh it's the way of of the world today every a pill will fix you a pill will make you happier a pill will make you'll lose weight a pill will make you feel better um mm. and uh you know yeah we didn't have as much you know back then um, but it's important to have structure. Kids need yes. structure in their life, you know, and I think with structure, 
I had a chance, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and later on in life, when, when I make the turn, I need some structure again, you know, and I think it's a, it's, it's important for us to have some sort of structure in our life anyway, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. No, exactly. And, uh, I had a, a past guest on here. He was a substance, uh, abuse, uh, um, director and stuff like that. And he had a tremendous story. His name is Nathan Padilla. And uh, he talked about structure, how boys, in order to have a relationship with them, they need structure first, right? Yep. And that daughters, if you try that same approach with your daughters and having structure and being rigid, it's not going to go over well with them. Mm -hmm. That they actually need a relationship first, and then they'll have that structure. Then they'll be more privy to go along with what you're saying. You know what I mean? And I, I thought that was pretty interesting, you know, and it just kind of gives you the the differences between boys and girls, you know? Yeah. I mean? And I've experienced that too. Like the relationship with my kids over the years, the more involved I was, the better things were, you know, mm -hmm. um, where I, I, I get that. Like I've read some stuff about that too, actually. So I, I believe that, you mm -hmm. know? Now I wanted to ask you, Richard, um, you talked a little bit about your stepfather, right? Uh, what are some of your earliest childhood memories that you remember about him you know just how he interacted with your mother and stuff like that what did you get yeah from yeah so so you know what as a kid you know we did a lot of family stuff you know mm -hmm. we went fishing and we went camping and we went to the beach and you know there's a lot of 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 uh a lot of value in that for a kid, you know, for yes. a family dynamics, for a relationship with parents, you know, we had a lot of family activities, you know, and I think that you, one of the most valuable things as a kid growing up was the fact that my parents took us on these adventures, you know, mm. they took us camping, they took us fishing, you know, and, uh, and my, you know, my parents came to every wrestling match. My mom was in the front row. Um, the support that my parents gave me as a child and then all the um, the bonding activities as a child, I think it really, really um, helped shape me when I was mm. young, you know? And, um, and I think that's, and we'll get into this later, but I think that's what I, when I tapped back into those family those family values and those belief systems mm -hmm. that i was raised from i think it gave me a little a little bit of a chance when it came making the comeback you know like that was an important part of it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how was his interaction with your mother i mean because i know that as children we tend to watch our fathers and from that aspect and how they interact with their mothers we tend to go and, and treat women or opposite sex the same kind of way, you know? So what do you think about that? Sure. You know, I, I never had, there was no bad influences in my family. You know, my mm -hmm. mom and dad never really raised their voice. There was no abuse. There was no, nothing like that. So I didn't have to deal with any of that, or I wasn't mm -hmm. exposed to any of that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, you know, they were, they were deep in love. They were married from the time they got married to the time they passed, they were, they were a hundred percent in, you know, and, yeah. uh, and it's, it's, it's a testament to today too, because, you know, people break up when the wind blows wrong, David, yep. you know, the wind blows wrong and, and, and you're getting a divorce or you're breaking up or you're fighting. And it's like, it's a testament that, you know, you can compromise, you can 
work through things, if you're willing to sacrifice a little bit and, and, and work together, I mean, relationships can last a long time, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's what I saw. I saw a long lasting, loving relationship, um, affectionate, um, uh, goofy, you know, um, and, and a hardworking father, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody that worked from the time I met him to the time he passed, you know? Um, and, uh, they had a, they had a great relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and that's good to see. Um, now, as far as your father, and you talked about how he was there for you with sports and stuff like that. Um, did you ever experience your father being hard on you, or did he tend to push you in a certain sport? I know, no, no? not okay. at all. I never had that kind of pressure. <clears throat> I never dealt, but I see it a lot of time. You know, I'm a yes. coach now and I'm a mentor. I'm a leader. I deal with youth all around the country, 30, mm-hmm. 40,000 kids a year, you know, and, and I'm in a lot of uh, wrestling rooms and sporting activities. And there's a lot of pressure on the kids today. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have to experience that so much, you know, and my mom, is the one that did the disciplining on me. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. She was the iron fist, <laughs> but you know, um, but no, you know, she loved me wrestling. They supported me no matter what sport I was in, whatever path I chose to carve, they were supportive, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. You said that because um, I'm, I'm sure you witnessed this. Um, I grew up wrestling, you know, I was on a, a wrestling sports team and we went around the country I went to uh, the John Smith camp, the Kenny Monday camp, the, uh, you name it, you know, and uh, Kendall cross camp. And uh, we went all over wrestling. And I remember wrestling this one kid who was a five-time state champion. Okay. And um, he beat me of course, but uh, I remember his dad, cause I had scored some points on him. I went outside to take off my singlet and I opened the door and I caught him and his dad. And because I had scored some points on him, he didn't beat me clean. His dad had him by the neck up against the wall and was socking him in the stomach. Oh man. Yeah. I, uh, that's a, that's an extreme, but you know what? I do see it. You know, I see a mm-hmm. lot of, I see a lot of pressure on these kids, you know, a lot of disappointed fathers because the kid lost because he didn't score points because he you know didn't finish him or whatever you know and it's it's unfortunate and sometimes I want to grab them by their neck to be honest you know and talk to dad about you know what this really looks like you know and what he's doing man I and and I see that picture in my in my my head you know because I mean I I, I'm embarrassed I just lost you know, I, I didn't have any shame from the loss because, I mean, this kid was, like I said, he was a five-time state champion. Sure. Um, I went out the door. I turned. I saw him. I met eye contact with the kid who had tears in his eyes. And I saw the dad, and he had this rage look. And I was like, oh, shit, what did I stumble into? And I just turned around about face and went back inside, you know, and – Yeah. You know, and what I found, I've actually, I do some life coaching too. And what I found is some of these fathers that are really hard on their kids like that, that's how they were raised too. And so they don't necessarily know much different. This is how I was raised. This is how I show my love. This is how I push my kid to be better. And, and honestly, it's actually driving a wedge between Mm -hmm. the son or daughter and father, you know, it's driving a wedge is what it's doing. And they don't realize it, you know? Uh, I later found out later on that this, this particular person that he went on to get a full ride scholarship, went to college and lost it all. He 
became like over a hundred pounds overweight, um, started drinking, completely lost everything. You know what I mean? Because he was just burnt out of wrestling, you know? Yep. Yep. I, I see that a lot, you know? And I was just like blown away. I was like, man, such and such, you know? And they're like, yeah, he's not wrestling anymore. And I'm like, wow. You know, that kind of blew my, blew my mind, you know? Yeah. And who knows why or how, but just know that, you know, um, parents have a huge influence on success of a kid or demise of a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, um, you know, like I said, some of these, some of these guys just don't know different. They need to be coached and taught a different way to a different way to uh, coach their kid or, or, you know, address their kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's unfortunate. I see it all the time. I see it all the time, David. And it's, mm-hmm. it's sad, you know? Absolutely. Now that leads me into this next question, which is what trends or information can you share with us about the state of fatherhood that you see today being that you're a coach and you're in these realms and stuff like that? Well, so, so let's, let's rewind a second. Let me touch on something. I failed as a father when my kids were young. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's something, you know, to understand how big of a comeback story this is, there's a little backstory. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously drugs and alcohol played a really big part in my life and it became a priority Mm -hmm. whenever you have a priority that that's, you know, honestly, you're failing if your priorities are above your child, you know? Um, and, 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 and I did fail for a long time. Um, and, but when I got sober in 2003, you know, I kind of, in a way I learned how to be a father again. I learned how to connect with my kids and then I became more present and available in their life too, because, you know, alcohol and drugs just drove a wedge between everything I loved, you know, Mm -hmm. it separated me from my family. It separated me from the things I cared about, you know? And so, um, um, you know, when I got sober, there was a lot of things messed up over 20 years. I Mm -hmm. had a lot of consequences. I made a lot of mistakes. Um, and, but, but the one thing I knew for sure, when I got clean and sober and started changing my life, I knew that the number one thing at the very top of my list was to heal and build a relationship with my kids. Right. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I could do that, if I could be that father, they needed, if I could be that role model, you know, um, and, and, um, and, 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 and be that dad that they needed, then everything else would work itself out. It's like, you know, the debt and the, the, the crimin, the, the, the court cases and the driver's license and the, you know, all the other healing that needed to happen and things that needed to be fixed. Mm-hmm. I knew that if I could be that father that my kids needed, if I could do that, then it would kind of fix a lot of the other thing. Like that would, that would win mm. everything over, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that there's a lot of ways to be unavailable for your kids. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of ways, you know, um, and you're one thing we have to realize is our kids don't care how much money's in our wallet. Mm-hmm. Our kids don't care how nice of a car we have. Our kids don't care how big of a house we have. They just care that we're present and available and in their life, you know, that we are there for them, you know. Um, and that they can count on us. How, uh, now, now that you said that, you know, and I know our listeners are, are really hearing you on that, you know, because we deal with a lot of blue collar dads who think that their presence 
can be bought with presence, if that makes sense, you know, and our slogan is more than just a paycheck. Oh, I get it. You know, so how can you help fathers understand that, hey, your children need you there, not just monetarily, you know, what kind, what kind of message can you send to them, you know? Yeah, our, you know, that, and that's something I learned, right, you know, here's the thing. Our kids need us, need us to be emotionally involved in their life. Mm. You know, that's what it really comes down to. Emotionally yeah. involved in my kids' lives. A big, a, a new bike or a new car, extra money on the week. None of that stuff matters if you don't have an emotional connection with your kids. Okay. Mm -hmm. None of it none of it whatsoever, you know? And like I said, you know, kids need a good role model. Mm -hmm. Kids need a positive influence. Kids mm -hmm. need us to emotionally connect with our kids. You know, we need to know, they need to know they're safe and they're comfortable and there's trust. And it's not just hand them up 50 bucks, you know, and send them shopping or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's going to backfire at some point, man. I didn't real, you know, here's, I, so, so, and, and, and mind you, this is a guy who did it wrong. Okay. Don't mm -hmm. I did it way wrong, you know? Um, but, but also for the past 18 years, I've done it absolutely right. You mm -hmm. know, and I made sure that not one second, not one second of my kids' lives, do they ever feel a disconnect with me ever again you know, and mm -hmm. it's because I did fail so bad, you know, and I knew that, that this was really, really, really important. You know, um, it didn't matter if I succeed. And like, I, I have quite a bit of success today, but mm -hmm. none of that matters. If my kid can't call me and I pick up the phone, none of that matters. If I can't FaceTime with my daughter and my grandkids for a half hour, once in a while, none of that matters. If I'm not emotionally involved in their life, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I knew that, uh, you know, I knew that, that, and, and you're, mind you, this is a guy who got sober in 2003 and it took a couple of years before my kids called me dad again. All right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, so like there was a, I had to earn that, that back. I had to earn that spot in their life, you know? Um, mm -hmm. but, but, but we, we did it right, you know, and, uh, my kids really, we have a, an unbelievable connection, you know? And, um, I remember, I remember when, when I, when I knew that I did it right, when I showed up and, and, and was involved in their life, did everything I said I was going to do, showed up every time I said I was going to show up, connected with my kids on a really high level um, and, and got very emotionally involved in their life. When I knew that, that I'd done it right is when, uh, you know, here's the thing. I'll tell you a story and it just, it, it, it melts me a little bit and I'm not boasting. I'm not bragging. I'm just, cause I failed by far, mm -hmm. but um, you know, my youngest daughter, um, you know, years ago had, um, you know, called me the first time she drank, you know, mm -hmm. the next day she told me, you know, and, um, and what I understood from that one is that she feels safe and comfortable to talk to me and open, you know, yeah. um, and she trusted me and she knew she could. Okay. And that, and that says a lot, you know, that, yeah. that says a lot about 
the connection we have. So, so that was a massive win. I'm like, okay, this is good. I'm doing this right. You know, because most kids don't, they're afraid to tell their, their parents, you know? And, um, and she even, she even told me the first time she had sex too, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, for me, those are like, I don't know, dude, I get choked up because those are massive wins. Cause I know how hard it is for kids to do that. And I know how hard it is to build such a relationship that your kids are comfortable doing that, you know? Yeah, uh, sure. But, but to be brutally honest, that's the relationship we should have with our kids. We should try to have, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's hard. It is hard, you know? Mm-hmm. No, but at least you're a living testimony or a living testament to those guys who are out there thinking that they're never going to be good enough. You know what I mean? It's never too late. And that's what I loved about your story is, Hey man, you didn't get it right. You made a lot of mistakes along the way, but Hey, guess what? You never gave up. And that's that perseverance that kept you through that perseverance that helped you to become a champion, you know? You know, that's, and, and, and you can always turn the corner. So here's the thing about, you know, you can always turn the corner. You can always make a comeback. You can always overcome any challenges you face at any time in your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if I feel, if I feel like I'm not doing it right, reevaluate, change direction, you know, we can always make adjustments in our life. We can always make adjustments. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm 37 years. I'm, I'm getting sober at 34. I'm making a comeback in college wrestling at 37 years old, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's unheard of, you know, I'm 20 years older than the athletes, 10 years older than the coaches. I mean, but the, the message in it is it's never too late to make a comeback. It's never too late to change your life, no matter what mistakes you've made, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, One of the things I thought you said was interesting, Richard, is that I always look at it from the perspective of the home, right? Um, you had a very good upbringing, you know what I mean? You had a great role model as a father or stepfather, a great mother. They supported you. There are all these recipes for success. How did you fall into being vulnerable to drugs and addiction? If you don't mind. Yeah. So some kids, some, some people are kind of conditioned and they're raised in a tough environment. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's all they know. Well, I came from a pretty healthy environment, so I wasn't bound for that lifestyle that I ended up living for almost 20 years after, after high school. Okay. Um, And so, you know, those are choices that I made on my own, but it was the peer pressures, you know, I mean, this here, I was a young, impressionable, insecure, um, not many tools to work with just out of high school. Um, I went up fishing in Alaska and that is a tough environment, you know, um, a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol, a lot of really tough men, you know? Um, and so I was exposed to a really, really tough environment and, uh, you know, just like most kids and most people, you know, um, I felt insecure about not, indulging with them not Mm. being part of it you know i didn't want them not to like me didn't want them not to include me didn't want them not to accept me and so um you know i tried drugs for the first time when i was up in alaska and unfortunately i was one of those one of the i'm I'm one of those guys that just can't do drugs can't drink you know Mm -hmm. um because uh it controls 
my life. And um, it took me a long time to find that out. It took me a long time to get sober. It took me a long time to overcome addiction um, and really, really find myself, you know, in sobriety and find my passion and my motivation and, and really find myself, you know, and become the guy that I always wanted to be. Um, but, you know, like you say, there's a lot of, you know, and this is, you know, I've been sober almost 20 years, you know, the drugs are Mm -hmm. different today. I mean, geez, there's so much available for the kids today, anybody, you know, and then it's like, you start look back then. So back then the worst thing that could happen is you could become an addict. Right. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I talk about is today, the worst thing that can happen is you can get into a bad batch of that fentanyl and the synthetics and you can die, you know? Mm -hmm. So today's a different beast than it was 20 years ago. Now you got to be scared to death to even get into a wrong batch, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but as far as influence, you know, I wasn't bound for that lifestyle. You know, I just got, you know, uh, peer pressured and, and felt I succumbed to it. And unfortunately, once I started using, I wasn't able to stop, Mm. you know, I'm one of those guys. Like I just don't have a shut off valve. Yeah. Some, some people can drink socially. Some people can, um, um, be a functioning alcoholic. Some people can function through life, um, and, and still, um, be productive, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but what I'm going to tell you is that drugs and alcohol drive a wedge between the things you love. Even if you're functioning, it, it takes you away from your being present, you know, being present. Mm And, um, but for me, I had to stop altogether, David, I can't do it at all. You know? Yeah. <laughs> People always ask me too. you mean, you don't drink at all anymore. <clears throat> 18 years. You don't smoke wheat 18 years, yep. <laughs> you know? And, uh, but I love my life. Um, I love my, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on a mission. I, I, my mm-hmm. business, my mission, these kids around the country that I work with rely on me living the life that I talk about, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and I've, I've done my program 10 years ago, kids reach out five or 10 years later, and I'm still that guy, you know, um, yeah. it's, I'm still living that life, man of integrity and, and sober, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's really important to me to be that role model. I find it interesting too, because like um, your story resonates with me a lot. You know, I was young. I was 17 years old when I enlisted in the military, Uh, 18 years old. I'm surrounded by some of the toughest dudes known to men, and uh, I'm very impressionable. And at 18, I, you know, I, I wasn't really big on drugs growing up. That's not one thing that my household was allowed. You know what I mean? My father, I never saw him drinking ever. And when yeah. I did, it was like a good thing because he was like super nice, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, that was a standing joke in my house as mom, maybe you should slip this man some, some Jack or something that way he could right. be nice, you know, cause my dad was very militant in the way he raised us. Um, uh, but with that being said, all that drugs and stuff like that was a no, no in my household. It wasn't until I got to the military where I actually was exposed to hardcore drugs and, at that time, it was in the late 90s, and uh, crank was really big in Southern right, California. Right, right. Southern yep, California. Yep, yep. And uh, I remember doing some crank. You know, one of my buddies like, hey, we're going to Tijuana. You need to sober up here. Take a little bump of this. I'm like, well, what is it? Don't worry. You'll 
you know, don't worry. It's like white cross, you know, cause I was, yeah. I, I was a combat medic. So, you know, I knew what speed was and stuff like that. So I was like, all right, cool. You know, did a little bump next thing, you know, I'm zeroed in. I I'm sober. I mean, to a T I could focus everything, you know, and fortunately I was never addicted to that stuff, which is a great thing because yeah. it could have been, it could have went bad. Sure. But I yeah. did fall victim to alcohol. I mean, big time. Okay. Yeah. You know, that was my drug. And, and like you, I couldn't stop. And, and people ask me today, you don't drink at all. And I'm like, you want a black eye? <laughs> you know what I mean? right, right, Seriously. Right. You know what I mean? That, because that's what happened. I, I did not right. know how to stop. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's the native American in me or what, but I could not stop. If I had a 30 pack, by golly, I'm going to finish that damn thing. And then I'm going right. to try to go to the net to start the store and get another one. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. That's my life, dude. That is my life. <laughs> uh, it's crazy though. Like, like where is the imbalance in our brains to where you have no filter? Like, cause I know guys I can drink and be totally okay with it. And right. for guys that are like me and you, it's like, you, you're better off just staying away from it. Seriously. Right. You know, it's just, it's just not in my DNA. I'm glad I, you know what though? I'm glad I was able to, honestly, I, yes, I, I have some, uh, there's always been a little guilt and shame over the years I did spend out there. Uh -huh. um, and I've tilted the scales way back, you know, I've done a lot and, and, and it's tilted them way back. I've made my amends. I've healed all the relationships. I've found a pretty good level of success that I enjoy my life today, but you know, I mean, there, you know, it was, it was tough, you know, there was some guilt and shame around there, you know? And, and when I, especially when I talk about my kids, I do a full program. I actually do, um, I speak at schools, middle schools, high schools, colleges all around the country, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I share my personal, um, you know, my personal story, you know, about struggles with addiction and overcoming those challenges and, and finding uh, sobriety and going on and, and, and then finding that vehicle, you know, that helped me um, overcome those challenges and find success. And that vehicle for me was wrestling, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we all have some kind of vehicle in our life, something we're passionate about, something we love, something that keeps us interesting, something to help keep our focus and maybe even help us through a tough time, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and my vehicle was wrestling, you know? And, um, but, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't drink, bud you know yeah. oh oh what i was gonna say was i'm glad i figured that out early enough like i know a lot of people that look back on their life and and mm. and and it's you know they're they're much older than me you know i was mm. 34 when i got sober you know and so there's plenty of time to tilt the scales make a comeback you know and be that uh that leader that role model that coach um and and it could have it could have gone either way you know i mean it's it's um you know, a lot of, a lot of people that were in my position, you know, sell out, it's a revolving door. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to beat that web, you know, um, mm -hmm. addiction is a gorilla dude and it's tough. Um, I needed professional help. I got professional help. I went through counseling. I went through mentoring program. I did 12 step and, and what I, I really, really found that passion, you know, found mm -hmm. that thing I loved. And it really helped me help. I real, I 
reorganized my life around the sport of wrestling, you know, became yeah. an athlete, you know, became that athlete. And, and, and even, even, even that being held, I went all in, you know, so I don't, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, whether it's negative or positive in my life, I go all in and I put everything into it, you know, mm-hmm. and thank God I've been able to, to keep my focus on seriously positive things, you know, for so long, you know, I mean, I've been sober a long time, dude. I don't even think about getting loaded anymore, you know? So it's a lifestyle and it's been years since I been in a position where I've even thought about it, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. Um, Like you could take, like for me, you know, when you have that addictive personality, right. That I call it. Yep. You can even like for podcasting, you know, like what I'm doing now, I can get so focused, so driven in this to where it can come a negative, you know what I mean? To where I'm drifting away again from my family. Right, right. You know what I mean? So it's about having that balance, you know what I mean? Yeah, it is. It's it, it, We can get obsessive about it. And, and anything in life is about balance anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if you, the way I look at it is if, it, here, so here I'll share with you, because I get, I get a lot on my plate. I'm running a couple businesses. I travel. and But here's the thing. If my home life is in shambles, if my home life isn't balanced, if I'm not present with my wife mm-hmm. and I don't have downtime, then, then, uh, then you know, I'm not going to perform. You know, um, I need a good, healthy home. You know, it's like, it's like I talk to the kids a lot about like, you could practice two hours a day and be like really good at something, you know, but if your home life's a disaster, if you're late on your homework and you're not sleeping, all these things are going to affect your performance and you're not going to compete at your highest level. You know, it's not just the workout, it's all the other things around it, you know, and I think that our there's so much value in, you know, um, in being present in the people you love's life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just important that for me to be, um, at my best, then I need to be at my, I need to be present and at my best everywhere, not mm-hmm. just in one lane, like everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you talked about presence a lot. How can, fathers teach your children to navigate through those difficult seasons that they're going to go through like what do you suggest as a father what did you do yeah well i know i know that part of it is is making sure that i'm involved in my kids life you know mm-hmm. making sure that i'm talking to them and t- i'm not just telling my kid not to do something like oh don't use drugs don't don't drink alcohol don't mm-hmm. do this i mean that you know i it, it's it it rarely works okay (laughs) it rarely works um and so i would much rather connect with my kids on why you don't do it you know and and share my experience maybe share my friend's experience with them you know there's so much information online and on the internet you know that you can pull up just about anything you know to -hmm. talk to your kids about you know um and uh I don't know, man. It's just, there's, there's such a, there's such an important, um, you know, I think that, you know, being present in your kids' lives, um, is going to help them navigate. You know, if I'm, if I'm checked out, if I'm not available, if I'm working 10, 12 hours a day and I'm working on Saturday, how much time are you really putting in with your kid? Mm -hmm. How much time are you really teaching and connecting and, and, and working, 
to build that relationship with your with your son or daughter mm-hmm. you know um and um you know it's just we got to take a look at that you know um because our kids need us more than any one else in the world yeah okay no no they need us more than anybody else in the world and so if we think about that and take that into consideration what does that mean are we putting enough time into our kids you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one of the uh questions i always get from a lot of these fathers is they want to be these present dads that you talk about you know and these guys are good dads you know they're, they're, they're they're busting their ass they're providing for their family they they want to be engaged you know they they live by the code which we talk about at the show up dad which is be where your feet are meaning yep. that when you're at home you're at home when you're at work you're at work you know what i mean you you're you're where you're supposed to be okay and that's one of the core values here at the show up dad but going back to his question his question is like okay dad i'm doing or not dad a quick okay dave i'm doing all these things that i'm supposed to be doing what about the company I work for? You know, he's like, oh, here, these guys are working 6, 10, 6, 12, 12s, And they look down at the guys who want to be present for their families. If I take off from work, next thing you know, I'm kind of blackballed for wanting to spend time and be that, that show up dad, that dad who wants to be engaged with his children. And he's like, oh, how he's like, all oh, that needs to change. And I, I full heartedly believe that as well. I mean, if you can't schedule something around one person, you know what I mean? Um, I grew up doing hot work with three people, you know, and I know a lot of things changed. A lot of things have changed, you know what I mean? But if you can't schedule your work to where, hey, man, this guy gives you a heads up, he's going to go to his daughter's recital. He's going to go check it out. He's going to go, he's going to come back afterwards, or he's going to get off early. And then we're going to work towards, uh, you know, not uh, scheduling this outage that day or whatever the reason be. I mean, there's gotta be planning. You know what I'm saying? I know as a foreman, I planned like that. You know, I know granted there's certain times that you can't, but you make adjustments, right? So I guess my question is, how do we change that culture to where it's not looked bad upon when a guy wants to go spend time with his family? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think, I think with, and we're dealing with a tough demise all around the country the last couple of years. Okay. Mm -hmm. We have a really unique time and place in the world right now. And I think, I think that we're shifting the culture a little bit anyway. I think our family is becoming a little more important. And we, we, I think there's some, there's a shift happening right now, but as far as, um, you know, uh, the, okay. So I, let's say I do, I, I never do though. You know, I never work six days a week. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Ever, ever, because for me to perform at work, I feel that, that I need to have that family time. I need to have that downtime. I need to connect with my wife and my home life needs to be in order, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, and I wholeheartedly believe that, but I'm fortunate enough. I run my own businesses. Okay. But also, also, um, let's say I did have to work six days a week, David, let's just say somehow life pushed me in a position where I have to work. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, now am I, 
am I, does that mean I'm working six days a week, 10 hour days? And, uh, that's all I'm doing. You know, I might need to make sure I'm touching down with my wife and my kids, maybe on FaceTime. There's so many ways to communicate now today to mm -hmm. where, you know, maybe my being present isn't just being right here with my daughter. Maybe it's making that phone call a couple days this week and actually chatting with her, you know, carving out a half hour so I can chat with her, you know, mm -hmm. maybe it's, uh, getting my, my daughter and her grandkids on a little, a little, um, you know, a Snapchat where I can talk to them face to face, you know, um, mm -hmm. maybe it's taking a couple special days off once in a while and actually s carving that out and scheduling it around my family, you know, Hey, mm -hmm. if I'm going to work my butt off for a couple weeks, well, you know what, I'm taking a couple days off and we're going to have some time together, you know, yeah. um, making it a point to actually for that reason, you know, mm -hmm. um, planning and, ahead yeah yeah like hey taking those days off making sure the boss knows ahead of time people got to respect that dude you know i don't mm -hmm. people need to businesses owners you know what if they don't respect that there's something broken with the system okay yeah something's broken in the system mm -hmm. if somebody has to work so much that they're disconnecting with their family mm -hmm. and i think that's where it's at right now um in our industry, in our trade right now, uh -huh. there's so much work. Our infrastructure is falling out at such a rapid rate that there is so much work for linemen right now. Pretty yeah. much anybody who's worth their salt can pretty much make their own paycheck. Like I can go from here to tomorrow and, and tell somebody this is how much I want and I guarantee I'll get it. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's how lucrative our industry is right now. I mean, yeah. you, got, you got guys that are uh, 23, 24 years old who are general foremen who are making four to $600,000 a year. Right. Right. That's they're a chasing, lot of money, money. Well, and they're chasing the almighty dollar, you know, yeah, exactly. Where do, where do we, and I get it. Don't get me wrong. It's, uh, you know, the, the, it's part of the problem with society too, right now is we're chasing mm -hmm. this almighty dollar, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and unfortunately the cost of living has put us in a position. We yes. have to chase some money, you know? Um, but do we do what are we sacrificing to do that, David? What are we mm -hmm. sacrificing? Yeah, and, and everybody's got to take a look at their own, you know, yes. you know, they got to do their own inventory, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, because everybody's got to sacrifice something if they're if they're putting that much into something else, okay? Um, and I don't know what that is, but for me, I'm not willing to sacrifice that much, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't live above my means, I don't have a lot, but I'm comfortable, okay. I'm mm -hmm. comfortable and I could work seven days a week. I own, I own my own business too. I could work seven days a week, mm -hmm. but what am I sacrificing to do it? And what am I really trying to do? You know? Um, and, and, and then again, you know, to me, my personal time is valuable. My weekends mm -hmm. are valuable. My time with my wife is valuable. My time with my kids is valuable. I like to do things during the summer. You know, I like to go camping and fishing and kayaking and things like that. So I have to sacrifice a little bit of Benjamin's, mm -hmm. but I get a whole lot of personal time and I get a whole lot of good, healthy time with, with myself, my family. I get to, you know, enjoy my life. I don't mm -hmm. want to, I don't want to retire and, 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 and look back and go, you know, I didn't spend enough time with my kids. Mm. I didn't do enough outings with my wife. Mm. I, 
went through three relationships. I've divorced twice. I've, you know, there's things, you know, David, and, and I don't, this is a short life as it is. You Mm -hmm. really, you know, if you enjoy working, then I guess it makes sense. Mm -hmm. But if there's other things in your life that you enjoy, we need to, I I need to do it now, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and part of being able to do that is being able to find some kind of balance, you know, some kind of balance, healthy balance, you know? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I agree with you hundred percent. Um, it's all about that balance. It's all about making that decision. Cause at the end of the day, you have a decision, right? And what are you going to choose? You know, are you going to choose a lifestyle or are you going to choose your family? And hopefully you choose what's important to you, you know, cause you're going to make time. Everybody always says, I don't ever have time. Never have time. Well, guess what? You're going to make time for what is important. Yeah, that's the truth, you know, and, and it's, and, and maybe you just need to be a better time management, you know, better at time management. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm a big time management guy. I do a lot with a little bit of time. <laughs> you know, no, I agree with you. Um, our, our trade is definitely unique in its sense. It's very well rewarding. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's definitely unique though. Um, like I said, um, you could pretty much write your own paycheck right now and there's not enough of us. You know, I'm a full-time uh, lineman instructor at Cal Nevada Joint Apprenticeship Training Center, and we can't put out enough quality apprentices. We just can't. Right, right, I mean, right. We don't, we don't make apprentices or make linemen in one year, not even right. in, in three years. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it, it's it's a challenge that we're facing, um, but we're, we're doing the best that we can at it. Um, getting back to our our whole subject matter of, of uh you know addictions and stuff like that yeah i wanted to ask you what are some tips that you can give our fathers to help them withstand peer pressure um i know peer pressure sometimes for for uh for men sounds kind of awkward because you're a grown man you know just say no but i mean it, it does happen you know absolutely I mean? it does you know i remember when um you know, I remember when I got sober, um, you know, and, uh, <laughs> one of the, one of the fears around getting sober was, um, that my friends may not want to be friends with me. They may not want to hang out with me. They may not, you know, our relationship might change, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Some relationships are purely drinking. Okay. We know that we have our buddies we get together with. That's all we do, you yeah. know? Um, but the one thing I learned really quick was that, um, you know, most of the people that really care about me, most of my real friends and family, they don't care if I drink or not, dude, our relationship isn't based on how much I can drink. I mean, it's not. And Mm -hmm. uh, what I found is that they actually, actually, you would not believe how many people respect you more by making a decision to do something and stand by it, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and, and, and with that, you know, um, it wasn't just, and for me, don't get me wrong. I mean, I stayed sober, you know, for a long time, you know? And so a lot of, you know, a lot of people's, um, respect me for not just quitting drinking, but actually making a decision and not ever selling back out on it, you know, whatever it is, just, you know, it's like, you know, 
a lot of things we get involved in, we want to quit because we don't see results right away, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and what I've learned is, you know, over time, sometimes the wind takes time, you know? Um, and sometimes results take time. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, it's just about finding what makes you happy, finding your, you know, what, what makes you tick, you know, um, for me, I found myself, you know, and um, mm-hmm. I became a better person. I became a better friend. I became a better father in the process, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, that brings value to everybody's life I'm in contact with, everybody involved, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's pressure on you, on everybody. It doesn't matter how old you are, you know. Yeah. Um, for me, I fought the stigma. You know, I'm, a, I'm an ex-convict, I'm a drug addict, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a deadbeat father. There's a stigma behind that, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was fighting the stigma, you know, and it took so many years before people really, really embraced the fact that like, like, I'm not going back, you know, I'm not going mm-hmm. back. And uh, the stigma is dead here, mm-hmm. you know, um, and we can and do recover we can and do change our lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I would just encourage, you know, guys to take a look at their life, take a look at the relationships with the people they love, take a look at the things that, uh, you know, that, that, that you love in your life and is alcohol affecting any of those things that you care about, you know, mm-hmm. is it affecting any of those things you care about? And if it is, then you should take a look at it, you know? Hmm. Hmm, I like that. Well, once again, Richard, thank you for coming on, brother. I appreciate you sharing with us all your great wisdom and knowledge. I thank you for just being open and honest and just being able to to help out our our listeners. I know they're going to get tremendous value from this, and I appreciate you. I really do. Yeah, thank you for, you know, this platform and what you guys are doing. You know, I think it's a great subject. I think we all need to you know, um, listen and chat about fatherhood and about some of the struggles. This is a great platform, dude. And what you're doing is, is going to help somebody out there for sure. You know, and if anybody's, uh, interested to go to Amazon, my, I got an autobiography out, it's be a champion in life. And it's a great teaching and coaching tool. Um, a lot of parents are, are giving it to their teens to read and, and discussing it with them, you know, tough conversations to have well i i got a book that helps you with it heck yeah absolutely man thank you once again for sharing that brother and uh i appreciate you and we'll be talking to you later on down the road brother appreciate it david you guys have a good good job today good job keep up the good work